Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Christmas teaching series, um, which is kind of based around the carol, O Holy Night. And I want to come into the last part of that today. Uh, By the way, um, thank you so much to so many of you who uh, passed on your good wishes to Jill and I. Friday was our 50th, our golden wedding anniversary. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, she deserves that. She's had to live with me for 50 years. And she said, amen. Okay, so uh, I, we were talking about what we were going to do for our anniversary, uh, and we decided what, what we'd like to do is just to get away to the sun and the beach somewhere. And so I actually put a lot of research into it because I wanted it to be special. And, uh, and, and I really did. I must have read hundreds of reviews of places, and I found this place in Antigua, which was a small resort. No kids. No, I love kids, but sometimes it's good not to have them, right? So, you know, only, only adults, but a small resort, uh, and all of the rooms were along the back of the beach, and every room opened out onto the beach. Nice. So nice, right? I did good, right? And then I called them a few weeks ago and said, while we're with you, we are actually going to celebrate, even though we, we actually did it on Wednesday night because we came home Thursday. So we're going to celebrate our golden wedding is there some way you can fix up for us something special for dinner Wednesday night? And they said, yeah, we, um, what we do for special events is we do dinner on the beach. And we set up a table on the beach, and there's flaming torches around the table. And you get a personalized menu with your name, the date, 50th wedding anniversary, and everything else. So I set that all up. I did good, right? I did good. Why? No, that was it. <laughs> what else? Good grief. All right. A woman asks that question. But I did that. You know what? It's, it's, you know why you do that stuff? It's, it's, it's love. Because you love. That's why you do that stuff. L- love you see in so many ways. There's so many stories around our church of people who have shown incredible expressions of love. There, there's um, one of our ladies, Christine Goloski, who... We met Christine just after Superstorm Sandy. She was recovering from brain cancer, single mom, and the home she was renting for her family had been basically was destroyed and messed about by Sandy. And we were able to play a part in helping her get reestablished in a new home and getting life back together. And she's been part of us ever since. And then last year, I heard that Christine had got the news that her kidney was a perfect match for a Suffolk County firefighter who only had six months to live if he didn't get a kidney transplant. And after all she'd done or been through already in life, she went through the trauma of having the surgery to have a kidney removed so she could give it to this guy she didn't even know at that point. I think that's amazing. That's love for somebody you don't even know. And then I think, you know, there's a family in the church I've known for almost 30 years now, Pat and Paul Thompson, and that Pat and Paul, when they were raising their own family, decided they were going to open their home to others too. 
and, and they took in uh, adults with, with, with disabilities, and they made them part of the family. And now their own family are up and married and gone, but they still, and they're in their 70s, they've got this home, uh, or in their home, and their family is still made up of six adults with disabilities. And they provide, and I think that's love. That's love. Amazing. So many ways in which we can see love being expressed. But you know something? The night of nights that we are singing about, oh, holy night, was the night that love was defined. The full definition of love is seen that night in the birth of Jesus. Here's, here's what the Bible says about love. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10, it says this. This is love. Here's the definition. This, this is love. This is love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. This is love. God sent his son. There is the definition. Christmas is the personification of love. This is love. God sent his son. We've looked the last couple of weeks at a bit of the background of Oh, Holy Night. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that it was written by a, a French poet because the parish priest wanted something for Christmas Eve service. And uh, the poet was, went to then a, a local composer and they put it into a song form and it became very popular until the composer left the Catholic Church and the Catholic hierarchy found out the guy who composed the music was Jewish and they decided that they didn't like Oh, Holy Night anymore. And it was banned. But about 10 years after it was written, it, it actually made its way across the Atlantic to the United States. And, and the first record we're aware of there is a man by the name of John Sullivan Dwight who got a hold of it and thought it would be an absolutely wonderful Christmas song to make known. But there was something specifically that he loved about Oh Holy Night. It was the years in which the Civil War was brewing. It was going to start a couple of years' time. And you remember the big issue of the Civil War was slavery. And what Dwight loved about Oh Holy Night was this verse. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave is his brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. He published that in a magazine that he edited, and actually Oh Holy Night became the favorite Christmas carol of abolitionists at that time. Chains shall he break, for the slave is his brother. Truly, he taught us to love one another. We talked about love and people write songs about love forever. The, the Beatles in the 60s told us all you need is love. Dion Warwick, I know I'm reeling off names here that will leave some of you puzzled, but to others of us they do have a significance. Dion Warwick told us back in the, back in, in, in the 60s what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And for the younger ones among you, of course, um, Santana recorded that a couple of years back. Or, or more recently, if you want, John Legend wrote a song and sings a song called We Need Love. 
And he says, too many brothers falling, too many mothers cry, too many prayers are bounced back from the sky, too much talk and too much cheat, too many fathers losing sleep, too many broken hearts we can't make right. We need love, love, love. We got to fight for, we got to fight for. Now, here's the thing. John Legend is a good singer. He's not a great political commentator, but that's another point. And he's not a great theologian because we don't need to fight for love. You know what we really need to do? Love. Love. Christmas was the night that love was defined. In 1 John 3 and verse 18, it says this, my dear children, let's not just talk about love, let's practice real love. You know, it's one thing to talk about it, it's one thing to sing about it, and to say, well, I got to fight for it. John says, hey, I got an idea for you, let's just practice real love. What is real love, you ask? I'm glad you asked that because I want to answer it. What is real love? The Bible gives us it. Love was defined when Jesus came. Here's what it says in 1 uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Here's love defined for us. The kind of love Jesus showed us. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. I like that. What Jesus taught us in, in, in his birth, in his coming to earth, what he, def- what he told us about love, much of it is seen here. The first thing is this. Love is enduring. Love never gives up. Jesus told a story. It's recorded in the New Testament in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And, and Jesus told this story, and he said, look, suppose there was one of you who had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And he tells them that simple story to illustrate how God is towards you and me. The shepherd might have a hundred sheep and he lost one. It's like, hey, I still got 99. No, there's one that's lost. Uh, And he tells us this because he wants us to know that that is how God is with us. That the fact is every single person is important to God and every single person matters to God. And love is enduring. Love never gives up. Love persists. Love perseveres. And many of us who that are here this morning who have found relationship with Jesus and faith in God would admit the fact we're sitting here today because God never gave up on us. Well, that was good. Some Sundays you need prompting to say amen. We did, we, you got that one, right? We're here today because God never gave up on us because God's love is an enduring love. And you may be sitting here today as one of our guests, and as I can say, I'm so glad that you're here today. And you might be here because a friend or family member said, why don't you come? And you may be here because a parent or partner guilted you into coming You know, please, why don't you do something for me this Christmas? All I want is you to come to church. Those are great lines. I love them. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you this. Maybe there's an even more subtle subplot that you don't realize, that you're here today because God wanted you to be here. 
and because God is looking for you, and God wants you to come close to him, and God wants to bring you into a more full relationship with himself. God never gives up on us. I remember, you know, we've been thinking a lot, or I have this last week, about over the years that Jill and I have been together now, and we met in Bible college, and I saw her before she particularly noticed me, and in fact, the only feedback I'd got, you know, because you start to test the waters a little bit when you, you know, when, when there's somebody there and you think, I'd like to get to know her better, and you listen if there's any feedback. The only feedback I heard was she had said to one of her college friends, I can't stand that Roger Blackmore. <laughs> now, I share that to encourage some of you guys. Never give up, okay? Okay, never give up. I think, I think the second line was he thinks he knows everything. I was 18 years old. I did know everything. I'm 69 now. I'm clueless. But back then, I knew everything, right? So, so you start to work out how to woo them, right? And, and often what we, you know, if you only do something for somebody, you, you generally... Th- Often it's what you think's good yourself, so I'll do something I like. So what we used to do, after breakfast at college, there were three of us guys, we'd go for a walk together, and um, it wasn't all about exercise. We'd walk down to the little village, there was a strip of stores, and the last store was the bakery. So, so we'd go into the bakery and buy a donut, and we'd have a fresh donut mid-morning when we had our coffee break. So one morning I thought, donuts are good. I wonder if a She'd like a donut. So I went and I said, can I have two donuts? Put them in separate bags. So I bought her a donut. Guys, I hope you're listening. I'm trying to help you out here, okay? Okay, we've got donuts out there. We've set you up, okay? All right, so, so, I, so I get two donuts and I go back to the college and uh, I, I put them and I said to Jill, uh, by the way, if you want it, I've got a donut out there you might like. Um, you know, if you want that during the break, it's there for you. And... Uh, I don't know if it was the donut, but two months later, we were dating, and 15 months later, we were married, and 50 years later, we're still here together. Because I didn't give up. Love endures. God never gives up. I love what it says in John 13 and verse 1. It says, just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew the time had come to leave this world to go to the Father. Having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. The night love was defined. God loves us right to the end. Love endures. The second thing I want to point out is this. Love is selfless. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it defines love. And, and here's what it shows us. Love not only never gives up, love cares more for others than for self. Love cares more for others than for self. Jesus defined love. He didn't do what was best for him. What was best for him surely was to stay in heaven, but he didn't do that. Because he cared more for us than he did for himself. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. When you're born of God and know God, you love. Now, you can be born of God and not know God that well yet. And so, you know what? Love might not be a big part of who you are and how you are. Let us love one another. Let's put others in front of themselves. Chains shall he break, for the slave is his brother. Jesus came to identify with those who were struggling and to set them free. And what God wants you and I to do is God wants us to put others ahead of themselves so that they can find freedom. Listen, I forget who wrote this, but somebody wrote a while ago and uh, that, that walls do not a prison make nor iron bars a cell. There are people who are prisoners to things that are inside, guilt, prisoners to fear, prisoners to self-doubt, prisoners to their own insecurity, prisoners to their pain, prisoners to habits that have got a hold of their lives, prisoners to sin that's messing with them. And you know something? I can't break the chains of people that are enslaved to these things, but Jesus can. But you know what I can do for them? I can love them. He taught us to love one another. So I don't judge people. I don't condemn people. I don't look down on people. What God has called me to do is this. Dear friends, let us love one another. And if by pouring love into their lives, we can raise the tide that helps them to come to Jesus, Jesus can break every chain that binds every single individual in this room this morning. Let us love one another. Love is selfless. And and then the, the third thing is this. Love is undiscriminating. Back to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love does not, doesn't want what it doesn't have. Then look at this. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't discriminate. It doesn't look down on other people. It doesn't put other people down. It doesn't think I'm it and you're not. What love does is it does not discriminate in the slightest way between people. How do I know that? I know that because that's how Jesus defined love for us. He didn't discriminate. He didn't just come for the high and mighty. He came to the lowly. In fact, if you think about it, he came to the lowest possible position on earth. I'm going to Tim and Faith, could you just come up and help me out, please? All right, Tim, I think you were here last service, were you? So you know what's coming. Faith, were you? Or were you there? Faith doesn't know. Tim, can you bring a chair because you'll need it? Okay, Faith, all of you will know she's our children's director. She does a fantastic job. Am I sitting here? No, you're not sitting. No. Tim is her long-suffering brother. Uh, Excuse me? Excuse me? If you could just stand here in front of the chair, please. Right, here's what I want you to pretend, all right? We're going to pretend faith is a person. Okay, we good with that? Now, here's what we're going to do. Faith is a person. Tim, if you could stand on the chair behind her. All right, this is going to stretch you. Tim is God. 
But I want you to get a visual of what we're talking about when I say Jesus came to the lowest position. Because here's the point. Here are you and I as people, and God is so much higher than we are. God is so much over us. So God is here in heaven. But what happened when Jesus came to earth was something very special indeed. If you come down and stand beside faith. Okay? Now, now, now look. We could say when God came then, that God came to be with us, and he did. But there's something more than that. Faith, if you just take a couple of steps back. God just didn't come alongside of us. You know the next step, right? All right, Tim, if you just lay down on the floor, on your back, okay? That's what you get for sitting where I can see you. I want you to see, see, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to, from here to stand alongside us. He came, he came to be a helpless baby who was vulnerable, who was exposed, who was helpless. He came to the very lowest position that a human being can be in so that he then could lift anybody and everybody from the lowest depths of life and raise them back to be where he is in eternity. Jesus came to the lowest place. You're good. I owe you. Thanks, Tim. Face got candy canes. I saw her take them to the kids' area. Jesus did not discriminate. He came to the lowest possible level. And then he lived the humblest possible life. Jesus didn't spend his life with the hoity-toity people. He spent his life, you look where he is, he's with ordinary people all the time, a humble life. Now, some people get the idea that humble means I'm kind of self-deprecating. Yeah, I'm not really anybody, I'm not worth anything, I haven't got anything special about me. That's not being humble at all. That's speaking negatively about God's creation and you need to stop it. That's not being, you know what humble is? Being humble is knowing who you are but putting yourself in second place so you can help others. See, you've got to start by knowing who you are. I know who I am. I'm confident in who I am. My wife often tells me, she says, you're something else. <laughs> Why? Why are you laughing? I thought that was good. No? Is that not good? Oh. Oh, okay. Um, all right, we'll talk about that. Um, but I do. I know who I am. You know, I'm confident in who I am. It took me years to get to the place, where, but, but I, I'm confident who I am. I, I'm pretty amazing, actually. And if you're visiting today, you probably didn't realize that, which is why I'm stressing it, so that you realize the fact I'm pretty amazing. You know why I'm pretty amazing? Because I'm loved by God. I am special by God to God. I've been chosen by God. I have a purpose from God in this life and a place with God in the life to come. That's what makes me special. So you know what? I don't need to spend my life looking for people to stroke me, though it's nice. I'm not, I don't have to spend my life like strutting my stuff and kind of looking down on others like, I'm the bee's knees and uh, hey, who are you? You know, I don't have to do that stuff. But because I'm confident in who I am, the fact is I can then reach out to others and say, is there any way I can encourage you? How can I bless you? How can I do something good for you? And if you've got a problem, say, my, that preacher guy's full of himself. No, 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 no. John 13, Jesus said this, or the Bible says this. It says, Jesus, knowing he came from God and was going to God, he knew who he was. He took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. You can't serve others till you know who you are. Jesus lived a humble life. Love is undiscriminating.
The night Christ came was the night love was defined. And my Christmas message to you today, what I'd like to leave with you, is in the words of 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. And it says this, most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. This, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. Love was defined at Christmas. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically everything. Let's pray.